Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I am very honoured by your presence and I just want to start today by uh, by uh, talking about something very drastic that has happened. And I think we all know what it is. The former Prime Minister of Japan who lost his life in a very, uh, in a, in a very bad way way uh, by violence, gun violence. Uh, it, it shook all of us. It shook me. Um, I'm not the biggest of fans, but I didn't really follow him, but I knew who he was. And, and I don't follow J Japanese politics, but uh, I knew he was a big, uh, big uh, promoter and supporter of India. Uh, and economics is an economics man, a very important man to follow if you if you like economics, you understand economics. He saved uh, Japan from an economic downfall, but he was the face of the nation for a very long time. I remember him seeing seeing him at the 2016 um, closing ceremony of uh, the Rio Olympics in Brazil. Um, to announce the uh, Tokyo Olympics in 2020, and uh, I was so so grateful. Uh, but uh, anyone losing their life like that is very very dramatic and drastic and very aggressive. And to lose to end your life that way after leading it through thick and thin is is really really bad. So, my condolences to his family, to his country, and to Mr. Abe to Shinzo Abe. Um, Thank you for the memories. Thank you for everything you've done for us, uh, for Japan and for India. Thank you for strengthening Indo-Japanese relationships, relations, economic ties, and we will build on your legacy for the generations to come. Thank you so very much. We will remember you, um, and we wish you peace in your journey ahead. May we, may you come back into the next, in, into another life, and and continue your journey. Um, as we all believe that we will all come back one day uh, in different forms and may you continue to to inspire us, to uh, enable us and to heal us. Uh, and to your family, we, we apologize for your loss, we condole with your grief and we share with your sorrow and your journey and we will try our best to heal with you and heal along with you. So thank you very, very much. Um, for the short moment and I hope uh, all of you will take a quick uh, moment in your lives to uh, to stop and, and say uh, a few words to Mr. Abe in your prayers in your, before going to bed tonight um, and just a few words of positive energy for his family, for his wife uh, and uh, for the Japanese people uh, to support them in this time of a, a very very difficult time because we have a lot to learn from the Japanese people. And it's time to give our hands and, and support them. So uh, thank you very much for that. Today I'm going to talk about something important, immigration. Uh, as an immigrant myself, uh, my parents were immigrants. My grandparents were immigrants. And so this topic really uh, is important to me. I wrote it a couple of years ago, actually about four or five years ago, maybe even more, five years and I had it with me, so I thought I will talk about it. Uh, there's a lot of immigration in the world. There's a lot of immigration in India. Un, um, uh, immigration, 
immigration um, illegal and and illegal. I'm not talking about stats, statistics, okay? I'm just talking about the mentality of immigration. Very important for me to understand the basics. And the stats will, you know, will fall in its place. It's how you deal with the mentality of immigration, how you deal with the people's mentality, how you as an immigrant, whether you go from one country to another or one province to another, one state to another, it's important. And so this is generally about the mentality. I'm not going to give you any statistics in any way. Um, but it's a short podcast, and I hope you'll understand it. So uh, the topic is immigration. If you want equal opportunity, you need to take equal responsibility. So immigration, my friends, is like credit. It's a privilege. It is not a right. No one is obligated to give it to you. You have to prove your worth and continuously maintain your value just like a credit score. Like credit, where your value depends on your tangible, intangible, and your capacity to pay back the debt, meaning earning a revenue. Uh, Your immigration also depends on the assets, intellectual, educational, and um, your capacity to pay back your debt to your adoptive land. Your repayment is always in terms of your adopted country uh, and not on your terms, just like you have to acquire credit facilities from a credit institution. If your, your capacity to pay back diminishes, whatever the reason, your immigration privilege can be revoked. No different from your credit facilities at any time and with no exception. Any type of fraud or cutting off of corners can also mean revoking of immigration privileges. Come in the right way and we'll give you a hand. Don't, and we will show you our hand. On the reverse, maintenance of good credit and repaying your debt back to your adoptive land is always rewarded with a higher score, low interest premium services. Uh, It is also your duty to yourself, to your adopt and to your adopted country to tell the truth about who you are, your failures in your native land that got you to leave. Okay, so you can't come basically in in a gist. Uh, immigration is like a credit card. Uh, you can't decide what what terms and conditions you want to have. Oh, it's my right, my religion, my culture. You can't tell that to a credit card company. You sign the deal. You either follow the rules or you leave. Okay, it's very, very simple. Uh, And if you pay it back well, well and good, you'll get more credit. If you don't pay it back well, sayonara. Um, So it does not always work like this, though. Immigrants all over the world think we are indispensable. Let me be frank. We are not. No one needs us. We are just a lucky number. It is the immigrant who's looking for a second chance, and we are lucky that someone needs our human capital. However, instead, we hear all the time. We have rights which everyone else is obligated to give us. Uh, We also conveniently forget our duty we are obligated to undertake to acquire these rights. Let me be clear. We have no rights at all. We only have a duty to ourselves. We owe nothing We own nothing on this planet, absolutely nothing. We owe ourselves the gift of making every junction into an intellectual laboratory and gaining that knowledge and evolving. Look at what immigrants have brought to this country, we say. Immigrants don't bring anything. Uh, People do not, uh, do, people do, and they suffocate themselves in labels and say, oh, but we made it better. 
We immigrants have the audacity to say to everyone, if it was not for immigrants of this country, it would not have been so great. The country would have come a long way. The, this country has come a long way. Our country has come a long way because of us. We made this country great. Which immigrants do I ask? Asian immigrants? Brown? Arab? Immigrants came to this country only after the Europeans developed this land. I don't know if there was one Asian, Arab, or African immigrant who came here before. Neither have I ever heard Asians or Africans living in, North, uh, in Native American teepees. We all came after Europeans and their descendants built this land and paid a price, after which we pretended to be holier than thou, sat on a boat and bought our bags and baggage this region, along with our food for nothing but immigrant privilege. Would we have come here if the Native Americans were still living in tents? A definition of, uh, sorry, I'm talking about myself, who is in, in, in North America right now. Um, a definition of an immigrant is some, someone who has left his land voluntarily or involuntarily. Both reasons for leaving the land is because we do not get uh, uh, or are not allowed to acquire what we want in our own backyards, except. Example, refugees, slavery, legal and illegal immigrants. We have come to the end of our cycle, our individual orbital cycle. We are not victims of our cycle, we are part of the problem. We are in denial we are, that we contributed to our downfall with our silence, ignorance and hypocrisy. We are not able to rise up the status quo. Hence, we immigrate to other countries where people do not know our history, and we get to pretend that we are victims. All the while pretending that the local masses are real racist a problem. It is not the immigrants who make country great, it is the human being who is given that second chance to use his capital to the fullest that ends up giving back to the country which makes this country great. Our adoptive countries are great because we land on their shows and we are continuous journey to introspect and evolve. They have created uh, a foundation and a society that is conducive to evolution and peace, which we want, but we do not want to give them credit for. We do not understand this concept, so we sing our favorite song, Immigrants have made this country great. False. Then, immigrants have not come, made this country great. Immigrants came to a country that was great and then want to, in, to share the pie without taking their responsibility and offloading their baggage. So let's start with why do we leave our, our native lands? When that human being starts having an ego in his land of the birth, becomes, he becomes complacent, succumbs to ideologies. We become supremacists, narcissists, and then hypocrites. That hypocrisy then starts to implode and then explode. We need to camouflage our transgressions, so we leave for another country. Another country who has the decency to give us a second chance. Instead of using this chance to say thank you, introspect and restart our lives all over again, we offload our negativity on people who are not aware of our failures. Blame them for our guilt and try to play the ignorant, narcissistic, narcissistic game all over. We recreated the same backward ideology in our adopted lands, which all starts with not having a voice in your own home. No voice means no choice. 
not being given the ability to gain knowledge, not allowed to question, debate, challenge, gain confidence, all of which will give us the ability to grow and empower ourselves to form a positive environment conducive to economic growth and prosperity. No economics means we have no jobs. We are, uh, and that means there's conflict, there's sickness ensures, abuse, confrontation, wars, trauma, and then we leave. Thus, we are not able to give back to the country that has given us so much from birth and contribute to her heritage when we then immigrate internally within the country and then internationally. Thus, our culture of suffocation and authoritarianism does not empower our human capital to be able to use it to its maximum. It is stifling, uh, stifling and has subjugated us only to ensure that our human capital can be used by the establishment alone. Hence, if our cultures are so great, why do we come here? If we are so great, then we should be making our own country so great again. But now we have left our native lands. Why? Well, because our native lands do not give us the opportunities, leave alone a voice to be human. So we come to foreign lands and then and then have the audacity to say, oh, immigrants are the ones who make this country great. I beg to defer. This country, our, our adoptive lands and our ancestors, our generations gone by, those who have sacrificed so that we can benefit from this ready-made country, that, that are the, um, this ready-made country we have inherited, um, and, and the only ones who deserve credit for this land all of which leads to freedom it gives us so that we can benefit from the second chances, without all of which our human capital would be useless. We would never be able to use our human capital to contribute and empower ourselves with anything. We would not be able to make ourselves great again, leave alone our adopted homeland. So example, coming from India, without my country giving me a chance to get education, jobs to have equal opportunities, I would not be where, where I am today. So if India gives me a chance to contribute to a heritage, it's India, sorry, who gives me the chance to contribute to a heritage, not the other way around. If India tomorrow says, go to hell, we don't need you, then my contributions will be nowhere. Similarly, it is my adoptive country who gives me a chance to empower my human capital, gives me a voice and and use of my knowledge to contribute to her heritage, to make her great. Without that opportunity, I am nothing and no one. So those people with selective amnesia, narcissistic mentality, holier than thou, oh, this country could not be anywhere without us ignorance. It's time to do yourself a favor, take your responsibility, and have the courage to say thank you for that second chance. It's time we all learn that our ancestors of our adoptive lands, they who make, uh, made that sacrifice so that we could have what we have today. It is time that we shut up, we listen to our inner voices, to others, learn from those who walked down the beaten path before us to make way the, for the future generations who would pass by the same way one day. If not, the generations who will come after you will do the same thing to you as you did to those before you. That smug you need me attitude is stupid hypocrisy at its best.
So to change this attitude, we need to put the science back into a science of our universe, um, astronomy and history of this planet back into our schools and universities. I'll repeat that. To change this attitude, we would need to put the science of our universe, astronomy and history of our planet back into schools and universities. We definitely need to remove all the colonial religions from our schools, colleges, universities, private and public. No prayer spaces, no faithful cultural, uh, faith or cultural organization. We need to break down religion, religious and cultural social associations and organizations in society. So no labels, associations, uh, just human, regional, municipal, district uh, associations. So I come from Bombay, we're Bombay, um, you know, um, or I come from, sorry, I come from, uh, I give you an example, I come from Bombay, well in Bombay you can have a regional association, district. Not, okay, well I come from Bombay but I'm originally from Goa, so I have a Goan uh, association and someone will have a Punjabi association. No, your, your Punjabi association is for in Punjab and for your Goan association is for Goa. If we stay in our ethnic ghettos, we will never go anywhere. Those ghettos are microcosms of the countries we left behind. They insist and indoctrinate the inhabitants of those ghettos to maintain their culture and traditions of the countries and empires we've left behind. Their goal is to hang on to our human capital to the best of our ability, strap us to use this capital to forward their narcissistic agendas and resurrect their empires. A state within a state. They will never change, and thus we will never change. We will always be made relics of bygone empires. Our laws in, in regard to immigration need to change too. So, for example, anyone who's born in, in a country can become prime minister. Even if the child's parents take him or her back to their native land to get an education there, uh, the moment you have a local passport, you can be uh, part of that land. Um... And you can still be indoctrinated by a foreign country and be the prime minister of that land today. For example, Canada. Um, so, yeah, there was a, I'm going to say, a, um, a jihadi a young boy who was brought up by parents who were jihadis, or should I say, uh, in, in jihadi movements. Uh, he went on to be indoctrinated and then afterwards... He went on uh, to kill American uh, soldiers, uh, one soldier, uh, something like that. And uh, obviously he was caught by the Americans, but because he, he, um, he had a Canadian passport, the Canadians and the Muslim Brotherhood uh, yeah, plowed, the, um, plowed the line and pretended to be a victim, 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 and they brought him to Canada. Um, and he was paid $10 million because the previous government did not uh, support him. A former child soldier, now free, and a darling of the left and to many of his kind. Imagine there are plenty like him, okay? Whatever their occupation or country they came from, they could rule this hemisphere one day. It is imperative. You absolutely need to go to school in this inner country of your residence to have her mentality. Very important. So you come from, for example, I give you Sonia Gandhi, okay? Now, she's Italian. 
I have nothing against her personally. I think she's a very nice lady. She brought up her children very well when after she goes through trauma. She came to a country. She doesn't speak the, the, the languages. She learned both the languages. She brought up her children in, in, in the spotlight. She brought up her children in trauma because her, she lost her husband, mother-in-law. It was a very traumatic life, and it was very difficult for her. But so, you know, I, I respect her personally, but... As a prime minister, she's no way she could have been the prime minister of this country. It would have been uh, horrendous. I mean, she doesn't have the mentality of a lady. Even if you live there, so for example, I live in Canada, but I still don't have the complete mentality of the land. It takes you two, three generations to develop that mentality. Okay, my parents um, came from uh, were came from pre-Pakistan, um, pre-Pakistan uh, India. Okay, um, sorry, pre-Pakistan, the region that was uh, is today Pakistan. So, um, however, they, they, they spent a part of their life, the most important part of their life over there, okay, and then they moved to India. But they don't have, even after living most of their life in India, they don't have an Indian mentality. They have a very Pakistani mentality. This high core supremacist, I'm the truth, the way, the life, everything I say is right, uh, uh, and everyone else is bad. And, you know, they look down on people, and that is very, very dangerous. Uh, and they could be, you know, technically, they could be... Um, they could have been the prime ministers of, of India, which is horrendous because they, 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 they spent the formative years of their life in another land, even though it was, you know, the land was India one, yeah, at one time. Um, but it's still in another, it's, it, they were grew up with another mentality, and that's very difficult to run uh, a country in, in another area. So you can't be born in a country go to an, or come from another country, have been educated there and come here and be in, in, in government. Or you can't be born here, go back to your native country, uh, of the country of your parents, be educated there and come here and be the pro and prime minister or even be in government. I do not agree with that. Um, so I think if you're first, second and third generation immigrant, if you come here, even if you come here as a child, it is imperative you absolutely need to go to school and university in this country to have a mentality. Uh, no exception. During this time, one can definitely cannot, I don't think one should be part of any leadership group. First and second generations Canadians should never be part of uh, federal, provincial and municipal uh, Parliament, whether wherever you study, okay. So if you study wherever, whether in this in in the land of your adopted land or the land of your birth, uh, if you're first generation, second generation, um, you should not be part of the federal, uh, provincial, municipal governments at any level. Uh, if you're third generation and were born and brought up uh, in the country of your adoption with at least one generation before you only then can you be part of the ruling government uh, uh, layers so whether your state government your central government uh, your municipal government you can be part of that if you're first second and third generation and on the flip side I don't think a first and second generation immigrant should be even in the armed forces so 
you've come from another country, you've got all this emotional baggage, you've got all this mental baggage, you've got all this trauma, you're the bottom of the cycle because you are cyclic. Only those at the bottom of the cycle will go. And then you go to a new country and you, you're trying to sort out this emotional and mental baggage and then you go into a war zone. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, the integration of our psychic into the new society takes at least three generations, if not more, to stabilize. So during this time, there's turbulence, there's conflict, there's adjustment, and basically an identity crisis. Going into a war zone is the worst thing one can do for someone with that type of mental conflict. In my opinion, it should be discontinued. Your duty to, to yourself as the first and second generation immigrant is to undo your physical and ideological baggage which you bring with you from your native land. While your physical baggage can take two to three days, our ideological baggage takes two to three generations uh, to undo. It comes with dialogue, debate, empowerment of knowledge, mingling with any group of people and looking at yourselves in the mirror to tell yourself the truth. That truth which led you to leave your country and go to another land. Hopefully, we can change the amount of times we need for a citizen. I don't think that anyone who goes to a new country should be a citizen before 10 years. Uh, if you're born in, in this country and your parents are not of this country at the time of your birth, you should not get the passport of, this, of a country. Okay. So any country you go to, if you are born in the country and your parents are not born here and your parents are not of, uh, of uh, heritage, not local uh, citizens, you don't have the right to have a passport. Your parents before you should have that passport, even if you're born here. You're born in your adopted land. Uh, no outward aggression of re religious symbols for all. I think all religious symbols should be in-house, in your home. Leave it for you in your private space. Um, your private space is your private space. The moment you step out the door, you are part of the public. And there are rules of the land within which we live in. Uh, and these are the rules of the land for which we live in. Every immigrant child, uh, I believe, should do compulsory volunteer work. From, one, from 14 to the ages of 22, at least five hours uh, every two weeks, a week, sorry, five hours a week. If you come here as an adult, you should make up those years within the first 10 years of your coming there. So... You've come here at 40, you go to a country at 40 years old, and for the first, say, uh, 10 years of coming here, you should do five hours of volunteer work a week. Um, if not, you will not get citizenship of that country. If it's about giving back to the country that you inherited without any generational contribution, it is also about getting to know a new set of people uh, integrating into new society, making new friends and breaking barriers and stereotypes. Anyone who accuses another of racism, victimhood, phobia, hate speech, intolerance should be sent to boot camp. I'm very serious about this. I, I can't stand those words. Boot camp. If you do it three times, a third time you will forfeit your citizenship. No more use of the word minority majority. I think that is disgusting and disgraceful. The word ethnic minorities, people of color, should be taken off our books. The N-word and the kufr should be banned too. Um, I don't think, I'm not one for religious schools or religious educational schools. Um, 
And I think they should be banned on all religious, new religious institutions being bought up. Uh, the existing number of uh, institutions, my God, uh, 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 should be reduced instead of being increased. Um, so that's very important for me. It's very important for a new citizen to learn the language of the country he resides in. Beginner's level is fine. Intermediate level will get more credit points. The rest will come slowly with time and generations. Um, so it, it, so that's very important. Um, I, there's something else uh, I, I want to talk about here. That um, in this country of North America, uh, people come here and there's chain immigration, okay? And then they bring their families and they bring their old parents and, 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 the, and the parents come along. And that causes a big problem because if you get free, free um, medical care and you haven't contributed on it, then that's a dampener on the system. And that, that causes a big blow on the system because we know that people over 60 years need more medical assistance. But you haven't contributed to the system, then you got a problem, and this is a big problem in in countries of Europe and North and, and North America, especially in Canada. Uh, so they always want to bring their parents. They bring their parents, and when they come here, their parents get free uh, free um, medical, um, and they also get a, a nice check in the in the month. But they haven't contributed one single cent. Um, so. The premise is as follows. Immigration is critical to job creation and long-term economic growth for the middle class. So really, how are seniors critical to job creation and long-term growth? Why does, why does the Canadian government want to get them in? To start off with, in Asia, our aged parents stay with us, with our families, okay? There are old age homes, but not more, more in number, okay? Uh, very few in number. Okay, because we have big families, joint families. In this country, uh, we don't have joint families. We live in nuclear countries. And people always point fingers at the West. Oh, they don't look after the parents. The bottom line is we live in nuclear families. We don't live in joint families anymore. When 100 years ago, when there's joint families, it was okay. Now there are no more joint families. And so someone who is old and needs care cannot be looked after because you can't have one person working. You need two people to work to survive in this country. So when two people are working, you can't leave the aged parents at home because they need help. So what they do is they send them to seniors' home, uh, and and the seniors' home is where the parents live. Um, so you you got old age homes, and they're a lot in number, and people always blame them, but it's it's only because there's no way you can look after an aged parent when you're going to work and your aged parents need care at home. Um, and it's too expensive to keep someone to live, to stay with them all the time. Uh, and so that's why they have to be sent to old age homes. So in Asia, our aged parents stay with us in our families. There are old age homes, but not in numbers like in the West. Labor is cheap, so paying a, a, a poor person practically slave wages to look after the aged parents is feasible. But in the West, labor is expensive, so the state, um, so the state provides an elderly home care. Employment, uh, employing a person who who took after a senior uh, 
a senior is very expensive and not affordable to most Canadians if uh, both parents are working and children are at school. We in Asia call this concept family values and culture, which we always use as a lightning rod to scourge uh, Western countries while brainwashing our children to hate the West. So that hypocritical basis the immigrant lobbies have pushed for bringing in families, especially aged parents and your of younger immigrants um, is, is, like I said, very hypocritical. Immigration itself costs the, uh, the economy, uh, depending on the country, anywhere from 25 to 35 billion a year, depending which report you look at, okay? The cost of healthcare goes staggeringly higher up in the case of immigration of seniors. Under our present system um, in North America, the bulk of your healthcare costs are initially borne by the sponsor, and just a small part is paid by the Canadians. Uh, in Canada, I'm talking about, so Canada, the bulk is, is borne by the sponsor and the rest by Canadians, very small part. But after 10 years of sponsoring an aged member of, uh, or after 75 years, um, sorry, after 10 years of sponsoring an aged member, Canada bears the health care cost. This is besides the fact that they get a pension check, free money from the government, which I don't agree to, okay? If you have not contributed to the system at all, your sponsor pays the whole bill, whatever the age. Also, no citizenship. Now, if you say that this to an immigrant, you're called a racist, an uncouth white supremacist with no culture. But wait here. Uh, for example, back in India, I had elderly grandparents who, when they got old, all expenses were paid by us, albeit with our grandparents' money. This is how we do things in Asia. Um, the government does not pay for anything. They have government hospitals to su who subsidize medicine for the poor, but the rest of the population pays for everything 100%. So why, when we come to Canada, does the taxpayer uh, have to pay for them if they have not contributed? This is not a racist concept and nothing to do with culture. It is a scam as healthcare costs are now rising in Asia too. So we immigrants fake a superior culture and fake values of our adoptive countries, foots the bill while the local politicians get free votes. Healthcare can be rightly highly corrupted in Asia. Payment for healthcare and cash in most cases or big part in cash, hence no receipts. This means you have even if you have insurance, you will not be reimbursed. So one person said to me, you have no culture and values. So I said, where were your values when you left your parents behind? You were not obligated to come here. Besides, you know your parents will grow old one day. So why did you leave them in the first place and the West and come to the West? Does it make Canadians racist if we ask you to pay your own bill? So let me be straightforward, okay, on this topic of senior immigration. One of the reasons we leave and come to the West, which is very important to note, this is the most important part in all of this, is that the same elderly parents who brought us up are the ones who stifle us, suffocate us, and force us on, upon us a strict authoritarian way of life and ideology. We leave as we are fed up with their backward mentality, their... Um, and their ideological prisons, which do not let us spread our wings and because and become part of a new reality. So we set up home somewhere else on the planet. Then we feel guilty. Our parents and our family pay the same guilt trip on us to make us that to make up 
for that guilt, we try to get them here and ask Canada to foot the bill. If Canada says, no, Canadians are racist. Well, like everything else, this racism is a camouflage for their transgressions, which they do not want to take responsibility for. If your elderly family members have contributed to the system, then there's no problem. If not, the sponsor pays till the end. No exception. Your fake victimhood does not pay bills. Uh, your adopted country was not free. If you want equal opportunity, you need to take equal responsibility. Uh, so I've seen massive distortion of this concept. Very often senior people come to a foreign land, they are sponsored, they get a free pension on qualifying after, this, after the time period of sponsorship is over. This money is used to pay the sponsor's mortgage to or remit back to their native countries. Heck, I would like to get free money. There is also a problem of credit fraud for senior immigrants. They're being senior and often not able to speak the language of their adopted lands depend on their younger members of the family who use their names of the seniors as guarantors on their credit applications. The younger generation then uses this money and declares bankruptcy and the elders are faced, uh, are faced with defending themselves. More importantly, taking a hit uh, to their honor, which is the most important to them with regards to the culture they came from. Um, again, if your adopted land uh, questions you, you become racist, homophobic, fascist, and all of the above. The system has failed them is the only fake answer you'll get. Another problem is that many immigrants fake their age, name, and um, nationality on their passport. They marry their brothers and sisters to get immigration through. Do we have any way of checking this? I've heard stories of brothers and sisters marrying each other for immigration. I've been told how you can buy a passport, a problem we have so often heard. How much data does our leadership provide for this uh, or, the, or discuss the problem in public? Let me tell you the current drama uh, government that we have in this country, in Canada, uh, will never do this. They prefer the emotional rational of immigration for their benefit while making everyone else pay the price. Very important. Um, so let me say something to end this chapter. And I've said this before, uh, and I'm going to say it again. It is very, very important. For all of us, wherever we are, whichever land we go to, adoptive, on, uh, where, whichever land we adopt, let me say something. As I've always wanted to say for a very long time, people of this planet have been lost for many moons. We've been lost and we've been violent. We have fought wars, killed our children, and bestowed, uh, destroyed our own spirits. We have enslaved our own and descended into hell. Um, this goes for every single community, country, um, land, region, micro or macro group. Yes, our ancestors 5,000 years ago had fabulous civilization, science, math, geometry, medicine. For a lot of us, this went on as a recently as 2,000 years ago. Then we descended into hell. The violence got out of hand and we lost it all. The last 200, 400 years, we were colonized by European nations in conjunction with our land, our own local colonial establishments. Their feudal establishments, the only 
they, their feudal establishments did the same to their own people. The only difference being the European civil civilians were the only people who dared to stand up and fight against and resist the tyranny. Their regimes, their institutions, these people who call we call white people, they are we also call them supremacists. Today we dare to point, ping, point fingers at them uh, and say they're victims. Victims of what? Um, of who? They, we got on our commercial, they got only on, our com on their commercial colonizing boats two to four hundred years ago. They joined our brown and black and violent drunk slave party and left late and left early. So after they left, we've still not changed. We have got worse. We were the same people who we were, who they, who we were before they came to this country, before they came to our land, and the same people uh, after they left. We, the hypocritical Asians and, and Africans of this planet, as we like to call ourselves brown and black, have been fighting for at least 10,000 years now, part of the global descent into hell. How does two to 400 years make a difference when we have uh, been fighting for 10,000? Oh yes, we camouflage it by saying it was not so bad. It was only holy war. They are only small conflicts. Well, let me be frank. We attract the karma we create. What we witness on the outside is a ripple effect of what we generate on the inside. Okay? We have all lied to ourselves. We've been fighting and killing each other for so long before anyone came along. We were violent even if, if not more violent than our invaders. We refuse to admit our failures have that dialogue with others and fall out, and we fall out of control, snowball into oblivion. Now we dare to blame white people for who were the last of the group of invaders, but we refuse to take the blame of our own historical transgressions. We insist on keeping these ideological scams of religion and institutionalized cultures, ideological plantations, and support the hypocritical feudal dictators while running to the same European countries. Those who have dared to rise up against their lies, their scams of religion and cultures. Then we use their democracy to say we are right, while we call them racist. We think that democracy will give us those rights by moving to European nations. Let me say point blank, we have zero rights. We own only the one right in the world, the right to do our duty to ourselves. That is the only right we have, a right to do our duty to ourselves, very important. We have nothing else and we do not own any other rights. Let me state clearly, democracy does not mean you get what you want just because you have an opinion. Democracy means you're free and obligated to do your duty to yourself, to take your responsibility and challenge your own opinions, only then you will generate equal opportunity. However, democracy to a whole section of victimhood immigrants, not all I might add, who hide behind emotions of Islamophobia, racism, uh, intolerance, uh, is submitting to the inflated hollow ego so that they can tr gain traction in uh, your in in another one's another someone else's country and take over the country while the rest of us become their slaves they refuse to humble enough to be humble enough to ex to enough to empty the vase and recognize they have failed take their responsibility and challenge their own 
uh, baggage of knowledge. They prefer to believe that their supremacist ideology and institutionalized concocted version of history is not the really real truth of the way of life, which saved the planet and the new world has to submit to it too. All the while, political groups pandering to this gullible emotional vote bank have completely sold out their countries. Their democracy is not about having a voice or having an opinion, very much like our subjugated feudalistic countries with fake democratic labels. Their victimhood democracy is about everyone respecting their failures as, great, as a great civilization in silence and feudal submission, only to cater to their hollow opinion which even they were not able to convert to power in their own country. Democracy is not about submitting to their hollow values of shame and fear to subjugate the rest of the country to their opinions, so they can rise up to power in, in, their, in the new country and compensate for their ego. All the while, they should use the democracy to make the sure that their opinion is heard over the rest of us. Their democracy is about using fake racism, fabricated hate speech as a cover to make, up, make us believe that their culture is so great, yet they have to leave their country and troll us with the emotions of a silent majority. Their democracy is submission into giving them space to remake this country in the image of the countries they left behind. Submission until they take over and we tumble into civil war of power. The same civil war that we created in our countries but will never take responsibility for. Their democracy is a cover-up for demographic invasion. Uh, this democracy is modern feudalism and it has to stop. If your emotions are giving you issues, get some tissues for your issues. Your rebranded civilization is fake news to cover up for your ignorance and lies where you are not willing to take responsibility for your transgressions. Democracy is not about enjoying freedom which other people have created through their sacrifice while keeping you backward and the slave mentality insisting that others listen to it. Democracy is a second chance that, that is given to you daily to say thank you for that listening to my voice and allowing me to listen to your voice in return. It's about agreeing to disagree. So the world over we know where our faults and errors lie, all of us without exceptions. Whichever group, whatever label, whatever the, at the micro level or macro level, we do not have the courage to say it aloud. Because these lies are our only identity. This hypocrisy is our foundation and this ignorance is our calling card. We rather camouflage our problems with multiculturalism, secularism and slavery, God and his feudalistic fabricated blind fate. We can do ourselves, however, a favor if we want to roll up our sleeves and find, about, find out the problem. However, here lies that real problem. We do not want to do the hard work, but we want to benefit from other people's hard work. We choose to go to foreign countries whose citizens have already put in the hard work. Whose, um, um, whose citizens have risen up against their supremacist um, religions, their own supremacist religions and their feudal regimes, against the corrosive ideologies, against the establishment. 
We want to benefit from their struggle, from their rebellion, but we do not want to take the concept and apply it to ourselves. While I'm in effect generalizing this mentality, there are pe plenty of exceptions to this rule, but for the majority of us, we insist on maintaining our lies, our fake identity, our good-for-nothing ignorance, while eating our cake and um, with the other hand too. Because we have been swimming in our slime for so long, it has become comfortable. We do not want to disturb our infested swamp. It is too scary for us to take a chance to venture into the unknown. So we rather let others do all the dirty work and we swallow the benefits. While we insist on, on of course, on pointing the fingers at others, uh, on the other side, to misportray them as racist and xenophobes. While we are the poor little victims, let me say point blank. Blank. Um, um, we are going to have to look in the mirror. Uh, sorry, it's not going to work anymore. We are going to have to look in the mirror and tell ourselves the truth sooner or later. Our lies, our hypocrisy, our ignorance have reached the end of the road. We are at the cliff. We either have to have the courage to stand up and say and to do what we need to do or, other, or do ourselves a favor and jump off that cliff. Pretending it's not going to work anymore. Um... A country is not free. Democracy is not free. If her citizens want equal opportunity, the, that the ancestors of the land have sacrificed and fought hard to provide, their opportunity comes at a price. A price where all immigrants need to take equal responsibility if they want to have equal opportunity. So this, my friend, was my little write-up on immigration. It's been a while I wrote this chapter. I hope you understand that everywhere you go, it'll, you have to set up shop again. You move from one town to the other town, you have to set up a shop. It takes a while to offload the mentality of the place you come back little by little, make every junction into an intellectual laboratory, learn from the 360 degrees, and offload as much as baggage in, uh, in you. And once you offload the mentality, the all baggage, the ideologies, uh, you will have more space to learn. And when you have more space to learn, you will evolve a lot more faster. Now, any evolution takes you three decades, three generations minimum to start. So when you come to a country, you are the foundation of generations to come. It is important that you set up shop in the correct way. If you set your stones in the right, in the correct way, you set your mentality in the right way. If you come with a mentality, do not do any work, do not change, do not improve, uh, do not improve. Press, do not do the homework, uh, continue with the same baggage, you're going to be a rock bottom forever. You're not going to rise up because you do not want to change the mentality. And so you'll get what well, the same thing you got in your adoptive country and all your, your uh, sorry, your native country and your native town. So don't cry when you don't get opportunities in a new land. It's because you need to take equal responsibility of the currents that form your waves, the garbage that has been put in your mind and occupies rent-free space, the backward ideologies and the, uh, us versus them, uh, you know, heavens versus hell, all those have to be offloaded slowly by slowly, learn from a new society and move on. If not, you're not going to get anywhere in life. So I thank you for your time. I wish you all the very best. Uh, please say a, a, a prayer uh, or take some time for Shinzo Abi tonight when you go to sleep um, that he may find his peace. And in the meanwhile, I ask you to be peaceful and to, to uh, 
understand that without peace that we're not going to go anywhere in life. Our healing comes from knowledge, from sharing ideas, from having a conversation, for offloading that baggage, um, and our healing will then bring healing on the street. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, please share this podcast, have these conversations with anyone, five people, ask them to have a conversation with five people, and we will go from there, and we will change slowly by slowly. So thank you once again. Good night, and see you tomorrow.